Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a crowd podcast. His timing is exquisite. I might start calling him Arthur. Arthur Job Eminem. You are going to get guys in the heavyweight division who come to survive. The seventh round is when the second knockdown comes. In your mind, you're thinking, four o'clock, we're on. This fight is going one way only. Let's get on with it. I'm George. He's Deck. Hello. It's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hello, Deck. Hello, George. How the devil are you? I'm brilliant. Do you know why? Why? Because I'm seeing you on a Monday morning. How about that episode reviewing the mega fight of the weekend and what a fight it was, Deck? Yeah, I know. I can't wait to talk about Liam Davis against Jason Cunningham either. I can't wait for you to tell me about that fight. <laughs> Why? Was there something else happening? Was you not there? Are you hating because you wasn't there? Yeah. You wasn't in Vegas with everyone else, all your other mates. I know. I had some big Vegas FOMO this week. I was really, really fucking annoyed. Couldn't make it work. But yeah, everyone was there. It was a who's who. It was a proper old school... Las Vegas week where everyone goes and there's legends from the past, legends from the present. There's a couple of weirdos hanging around. It looked like it had everything Las Vegas that you could possibly hope for in the fight that we've been begging for for years. And it just so happens, George, that this therefore very special episode of How About That kicks off our birthday week. We are one year in the making. Yeah. We are it's our first birthday of the GGBC. Have we got any we've got any celebrations planned, Deck? Come, I got it. Should I do it now ready? <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Wednesday is the one year anniversary of our very first episode, which was just me and you. Um I would hope that everyone who has listened to this pod has gone back to start and listened to that one to get an idea of what the point was. But um, we're going to discuss this more in Wednesday's episode, but it is the start of our birthday week. And it's lovely that we've got a proper weekend to get our teeth stuck into in this episode, isn't it? Where was the fight deck start with? i tell you what. Where so, in Vegas was so it the, the fight was at the T-Mobile Arena, which for anyone who's ever been to Vegas or been a big fight, I actually prefer the MGM Grand. I fucking love the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Like in the in the hotel at the bottom, there's the arena. So the T-Mobile Arena was, well, I guess it's not that new anymore. Um, the new arena are just off the strip, which is kind of behind 
off the strip behind what used to be the Monte Carlo. Like, not it's not far to be fair, but it's away from the MGM Grand Hotel where everything takes place. Uh, but a big purpose-built arena. It's basically where all the big fights happen now. Let's have a quick look at where how we got here, like how we got to this fight in the first place. So it was obviously Errol Spence against Terence Crawford for all the belts at welterweight. This is a fight that didn't happen for a long, long time for various reasons. Network sort of politics. Terence Crawford for a long time was with Bob Arum and Top Rank, uh, who were on one channel. And then Errol Spence with PBC and Al Heyman. For those who are unaware of it, is a bigger divide in America, much like there is here with Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, I guess. But in America, there's that big road and they, they very rarely cross it. And this fight is no exception because essentially it's like, what channel does it go on and therefore who gets all the money? Terence Crawford some time ago left Bob Arum a top rank. So he's sort of a free agent. And then this fight finally happened. And a bit like Mayweather and Pacquiao, which happened, people say, too late, George. But do you feel like this one landed at about the right time? Neither fighter had shown a blip. You know, like when, when Pacquiao Mayweather happened, you know, Pacquiao wasn't in quite the form he was in before, the phenomenal form he was in before, where you think this guy surely is going to be too much for Mayweather. Surely the hand speed the work rate the fast feet it's just what can't what how can no one could do anything with it i think i mean spence inactivity is a little bit like or not as active he's had the car crash you know i've only seen a couple of pictures of it but it seems miraculous that he came out alive let alone has still has a boxing career after it ultimately he hasn't really put a foot wrong you know he beat everyone in front of him hasn't struggled hasn't shown any blips so you're like but this fight is still fight worth watching you know Spence is tight at the weight you know I mean I'm not involved in the camp obviously but from what you hear and what you see and the way he looks and the way he moves I think it wasn't going to be he wasn't going to be at world weight much longer you know this is probably the fight that keep him here we want the fights when we want them and this one wasn't too late should we say wasn't too late Errol Spence is inactivity like you mentioned meant he was only he's been a career welterweight so he's been a welterweight for 10 years as a pro um, and he was 28 and 0 across those 10 years so not massively active we've been over that before Crawford 39 and 0 before Saturday night and he was the WBO welterweight champion so just had one of the belts at welterweight Errol Spence held the other three so this was seen as this big coming together of the two welterweight worlds to finally find out who was number one and George we got one of the most conclusive and one-sided excellent performances in a super fight that I can in my lifetime and really thinking about throughout history there's not been many fights of this magnitude that have been that one-sided would you agree sometimes we're sold at we're sold a 50-50 fight when you know it's not a 50-50 fight and it pans out that you know the guy who oh, it turns out yeah, he was a lot better and he turned to be out to be a lot better. But I think I don't think that's the case with this one. If you're going to start, you know, thinking about pound for pound listings, like Crawford would probably land on there above Spence before the fight. For most people, you're thinking him, maybe Alvarez, you know, you've got a new A, uh, Usyk maybe, you know, and then is Spence in there with a the top f in, in that top five as well. But Crawford usually always lands in there. I didn't expect it to be so clinical from Crawford. He comes out and he fights Southpaw. And we know he can switch it, but fights the whole fight Southpaw. It was phenomenal. He, he, I mean, we can go straight into breaking down the fight if you want, Dick, but um, it was a, a brilliant performance from Crawford. So you mentioned there that he was sort of above Errol Spence and most people on the pound for pound list. It's because, that, because he had already won a world title at lightweight and he'd already unified the division at light welterweight, won all the belts at light welterweight already. Um, so then he's moved up to welterweight. So his body of work and his achievement over 
his career. And he's had like, what, 12 more fights than Spence as well. Always put him that step above in my eyes. But the pre-fight chat was Errol Spence might be too big because he's a career welterweight and Crawford's the one who's coming up. Let's get into the fight. So, well, in fact, before the fight, one little thing I wanted to mention is that before on Instagram, Terence Crawford put something like, who should do my ring walk? And everyone said Eminem. And Eminem responded saying you're one of my favourite fighters, I'd love to. And then Crawford's like, okay, well, come and do it. And he bloody well turned up. But, George, I don't know about you, but he only did half a job. I might start calling him Arthur. Arthur job Eminem. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's Eminem. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not <laughs> fanboy Eminem. I listened to him as a kid, and to be honest, I grew out of him. But I know a lot of people didn't, a lot of people love it. And, you know, lots of people in the boxing world love Eminem. Like, I think you see a lot of superstars come out for the Vegas fights, but... They don't really get bigger than Eminem. So I was thinking, oh, what, what songs are you going to go for? It's already playing. And I'm thinking, well, is he going to sort of rap over his own voice? He doesn't. He just comes out and goes, Terence Crawford. And then sort of disappears into the shadows. Gets a free ticket for not even doing a, uh, not even rapping his own song. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if I was the organiser, I would have gone, do you know what? Like, he's obviously got ringside tickets, sweet. He's doing the ring walk, perfect. And then he doesn't do the song. I would have been like, piss off, mate. You can go up in the gods with the rest of them. Like, if you're not even going to do the song, it was very, very awkward, I thought. Is that, of- is that what happened? Because I, was he ringside? No, nah, I think I, don't know. I think he did the corner in the end. He had the, the spit bucket. And also, product placement. Crawford comes out with Prime. I was thinking, oh, he's, he's telling people 35, he's still on it. <laughs> he's in his it wasn't Prime. until I saw the drink later on. I was like... I mean, how much did that that chain cost? I, I thought the exact same thing when I'm looking at that massive prime across his chest during the during the announcements. I'm like, I really hope they give you a lot of money for that. But they get in the ring, and this was this was the culmination of a fight week in which both guys they're 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 quite like quiet guys. They're not big trash talkers or stuff. But it got quite tetchy at the presser. Crawford had had a little go at someone in Errol Spence's team. I think it was a brother of Spence's or something like that. It was a, a family member, and they were sort of back and forth at the presser. Bo Mack, Brian McIntyre, who is Crawford's coach, and Derek James had had a little bit of um, back and forth at the presser. So it was like bubbling nicely, but with nothing unedifying or violent or anything like that. And in fact, there was like a moment at the weigh-in where they sort of have a hug and they have a handshake. And it was like, this is proper. This is like, there's nothing fake about this. This is the pinnacle of our sport. And we don't get it that often, do we? It doesn't happen very often. And this was the fight and there wasn't you didn't no one had to blag anything no one had to scream or shout too much it was like this is about as pure as it gets so then the fight started let's get into the fight i gave errol spence the first round george i don't know what you thought and oh firstly actually did you stay up we should we should cover this bit did you what was your what was your tactic did you stay up through the night did you set an alarm did you watch it in the morning no i set an alarm fight of this magnitude deserves to watch live but staying up you start resenting it personally I'll get it gets to like four o'clock and in your brain you know the ring walk's not going to happen till four thirty. you know the first bell's not going to go till 10 to 5 but in your mind you're thinking four o'clock is we're on and four o'clock's not on and they're still prattling on talking about this fight or that fire or you're watching the sort of the 24-7 that you've already watched for the last three weeks and you're like fuck so I set an alarm, got up. Yeah, I did the same. I found, I can't remember what year it was, but I realised that by staying up, all I do was shave off some of the enjoyment of the actual event because I'm so tired at that point. If I, And that's if I don't fall asleep at some point and wake up seven rounds in or whatever. So I, I made that decision. It was a big turning point in my life. It used to be, right, watch the boxing that's on that night if I'm not there covering it and then it finishes at 11 or whatever. Watch match of the day on catch up. Then by that point, you're sort of, 
one-ish, one, 132. But then like you say there, that you're still staring at three hours in the face. And if the undercard's shite or worse, or they don't even show the undercard or it's nothing that you care about, but it's not what you want to see as a build-up to the fight. So anyway, yeah, I build. And what I want to know from our listeners, is there anyone out there who does the full-blown stay-up and watches it one and i want to know if there's anyone who lands in the second venn diagram of staying up all night to listen or to watch and you have children because that cannot work i'd advise all parents to do the the wake up when you're um 19 and you've got no kids and you know once you're asleep you're asleep so you're thinking i'm staying up because once i go asleep i'm not waking up you know i won't be able to wake up at half four and enjoy it i'll already be in a deep sleep once you've got kids you know you're probably going to get woken up at uh, four o'clock anyway for, you know, a toilet break or so they've dropped their water bottle out of the bed or, you know, something's gone wrong. Um, or they're just waking up because they think it's the morning. It's like, mate, it's not the morning. It's quarter past four. I'm about to watch Crawford Spence get back to bed. If the fight goes a distance, usually the little one's up by then anyway. Anyway, so we've established that. Lovely. So we're fresh as a daisy when that fight starts. And I'm buzzing at this point. I'm sure everyone in the UK, and it is like an event for us lot there's not that many of us that do it but us lot who stay up for it you know you're part of something anyway first round kicks off I gave Errol Spence the first round I thought he was jabbing he was the busier person Crawford absolutely chilling he's always so relaxed bit of a slow starter quote unquote Spence was right on him just trying to establish and dominate and establish his jab would you would you agree with that first round was was a Spence one and the only one? Spence won the first one and the third. Crawford, like this fight, he's not a slow starter. He's just a calculated starter. And they're both very calculated. It's just I'd edge Spence around because I think he throws and lands a straight left hand. It doesn't really have any effect, but it's enough of a, a bit of a scoring shot to sort of give him the round. And he's a lot busier with the jab. Spence likes that double jab. He throws it pretty well. He stays pretty safe with it. But the problem you've got with a double jab is it takes longer to land a double jab and therefore you're easy to be countered with. This is what Crawford does amazingly well. So he's giving him lots of different looks, different actions. The hands the hands are up most of the time. Sometimes they're palms facing. Sometimes he does a little shimmy and that. But the catch and fire just works so well. And that's what happens in the first round. In the second round, in the first knockdown, it's sort of a catch and fire. He catches him. Spence sort of comes over the front foot a little bit too too eager. And then he hits him with sort of like a long loopy left hand. And then it's even like a straight jab that knocks him off balance. Um, but it's enough where he's Spence is down and he's got that look of someone who's been knocked down rather than someone who's fell down, been knocked over, a bit off balance. Sure, it's a flash knockdown and the guys are super fit and it's the second round. So he's not out for the count, but his game plan is turned upside down. And that's why I give him the third round. So he comes back, Derek James in the corner. Couldn't really hear what he was saying on the, on the feed that I was listening to. But Fig Spence wants, doesn't want Crawford now to be in his comfort zone and think that he's the boss in this fight. He comes out and he has a good rally in the third round. I think he lands a lot of shots. But Crawford's never really in big trouble or worried at this point. He gets caught a couple of times. But I gave, I gave Spence the third round as well off the back of that. That's spot on. He was so relaxed in there. Even in the first round when being backed up a little bit, not getting anything off. But then even when the, when he knocks him down, the way, I, I, go and watch the replay, the way he walks off after that first knockdown as if it's just, he's, uh, he's in the park somewhere. There's not a, a hint of emotion. You know, like when a football manager, their team scores and they don't even flicker, it's like, done that, walk off. He's not a second of him. And then in the third, when Spence does rally a little bit, I gave Crawford the third round myself, but it was an even, even-ish round considering what had happened in the second. Even then he's not like, oh shit, he's back on top. I need to force it, force it again. He's just so 
so comfortable at all times. That's the experience of being a multi-weight world champion and fighting at the top for so long. And then also having that element of having to work hard for it. He knows he's had no gifts, you know, he's vastly talented. He does that American thing where they pray, praise God. He's got that grit about him as well. It's not as simple as, oh, Spence dropped his hands. So Crawford nailed him and it was over. It's like, nah, it's not just high hands. You know, that, that don't always, that's not always it. Don't just paint the entire picture. His timing is exquisite. Obviously, he's a great athlete. He must punch hard. As I say, we, we bang on about, well, I've, I've banged on about how both guys haven't really put a foot wrong. And is this fight come at the right time? But he made Spence look old that night, even though Spence is younger. And the way he sort of dismantles him and even listen to the way Spence is talking after, the way he looks, you know, he's been beat up. He made him look old. The next knockdown, we in round seven now, Deck. Two, he's gone down. Third, Spence rallies a little bit. Four and five, Crawford's just in the groove. And not at any point is he orthodox, which I was surprised by because we know that he's a switch hitter. But he's actually an orthodox boxer who switches and can do southpaw as opposed to southpaw who, who does orthodox. He's right-handed. Um, but he did the whole fight in Southpaw. Um, so he's comfy through four or five, really just turning the screw. Spence is sort of chasing shadows a little bit, struggling to get anything off. And then, yeah, the seventh round is when the second knockdown comes. Yeah, it feels like the writing's on the wall now. You know, you got you got the flash knockdown in the second. He, I think he pushed hard in the third to no avail, which was energy taxing. And it's a big occasion, a big night, huge night. So it's, it's that's tiring. You know, that is tiring. And as you say, at that point, I feel like he's not in his groove. Crawford's in the groove and is in full flow. It's in that that flow state we're Ben Carraway talking about on the pod. So he's still super strong, super fit. Spence, he's up, isn't he? He's up and it doesn't look like the fight needs to be waved off at this point, but that's a heavy knockdown deck. How did you interpret it? The same. I mean, he got up to his feet, but then he's sort of hanging on them for the rest of the round because I, I think it was about halfway through the seventh, wasn't it? And he and I was thinking, fuck me, he's got a lot of time to get through it. It might have even been only a minute down. I think there might have been a couple of minutes left. So Spence does well. I wouldn't have asked for it to be called off at that point, but he obviously carries on the beating in the seventh and then through the eighth. I'm starting to think they should be having a look at this, like because he's not really landing anything. Crawford's just getting better. He look in between rounds, he looks like he's just gone for a jog. He's barely even sweating, and Spence's face is fucked. And it's like this fight is going one way only. I wonder what Derek James was thinking at that point. Whether he was thinking maybe it's time to pull him out here. What should I do? Should I just leave him in? It's the biggest fight of his life, one of the biggest fights you know in welterweight history. I can't pull him out early. But then we get into the ninth. And referee Harvey Dock does it for us, George. Um, he's not down again in that round, but he's all over the shop and he's, he's shipping punishment, isn't he? Usually the sign of a good stoppage is no complaints from anyone. I don't think there was, I didn't see any complaints from Errol Spence, Derek James in the corner. He's probably thinking, you know, I'm going to have to pull this at some point. Hopefully the referee does. And the ref referees are out there, do let it go a little bit longer than in here in the UK especially when it's a, it's a mega fight and I appreciate that I think fighters are trained their entire lives they need the, every opportunity they can but at that point yeah you know I think you couldn't see any way of Spence pulling this back it just it landed a few heavy heavy blows and now Crawford's at that stage where you know you said that he dropped him in the first round and he's just yeah cool karma collected now he knows if I just put my foot on the gas I'm going to get rid of this guy and the fight is over This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. 
From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Everything he throws landing as well, whether it's to the body, to the head, front or backhand, everything's landing and he's vicious as well, Spent So, I mean, did fucking well to stay, hang in there and get, get it waved off because it was only going one way and that was he'd be on his back. And then it's like, do we really need to see that when the fight is that one-sided? It's not like we need to wait for that moment, really. From start to finish, the whole thing was great. Great for boxing. Not great for Spence, obviously, but he's lost. But even, as you say, even down to the stoppage, I think it was the right decision at the right time. But an incredible, credible win for Terrence Crawford. He jumps on the on the ring apron. I thought even he's doing this different because usually you jump. If you're lazy, you get on the bottom round. If you're really up for it, you get on the second round. I thought he was trying to climb on the top rope and sort of, he thought, I don't know, he might, he might have thought, thought better of it. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was, it was so good. Let's just pause for a second on Errol Spence. What do you think went wrong for him? Do you think he was too big I mentioned in my prediction I thought he's just been at work weight too long and it's just not the timing's not great for him he's had the car crash he's been inactive and it's great for Crawford what do you think went wrong for Errol Spence he was too slow he was a fraction slower than Crawford uh, and Crawford's major success was not even a catch and fire it was just that sh- like sometimes catch and fire sometimes counter and it's the minute adjustments to the feet the head and seeing the shot and countering it both these guys can make loads of adjustments Crawford ain't, ain't a one one trip pony is he do you know what I mean he comes out and fights Southpaw when he's predominantly fights orthodox so he's not always going to be able to change and adjust the thing that's hard to change and adjust is if the guy is just that bit sharper and you see the shots a bit quicker can counter and, and land in the way he does then what do you do even the way Spence throws the punches is sound even when he's hurt and concussed you know he still gets into position he still digs his feet in his posture's perfect you know and dang 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 just digs them body shots in digs them headshots but just a fraction too slow Crawford just read it all so well so a rematch at world weight I don't think any difference yeah uh, a rematch at a bigger weight is that the answer is it not I, it's probably not because Crawford's now got options you know what I mean if, if Crawford's gonna go up a weight then maybe he wants to challenge for new belts you know does he want to fight I mean Char- Charlo's now fighting Alvarez so you know who knows what's gonna happen there I'm not sure I'm not sure I mean both guys they got so much respect for each other there was no animosity even after the fight you know and Crawford's saying yeah we'll do it again because I think there is a rematch clause and he's telling people already you'll want to see it again and maybe we do (laughs) I'd like to see Spence regroup 
maybe come again at 154, but not against Terence Crawford. I don't think he needs that in his life. Like at 33, he could go again and he could have another little burst, I think. Like it's not over for him, but he's been inactive, hasn't he? So And he's just made a shitload of money. Like he's been, he's made a lot of money throughout his whole career. Now he's just got the biggest bag he's ever got. So I wonder whether we'll see him again. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just like, can't be asked for that. He's got kids, you know, he's a bright, intelligent bloke. He, maybe he's got other things going on. Don't necessarily want to see the rematch. Certainly not a welterweight. But I think if they were to say, okay, let's do it at £154, straight away, at least you've got a factor there where you might be able to just go, oh, maybe Spencer's got a better chance. But in just ruling out a rematch, I must say what sprung to mind was Deontay Wilder against Tyson Fury 3, which came after the second fight, which was so one-sided when Fury absolutely blitzed him, dropped him loads of times. Everyone said, well, why do you want to see the third fight? And it was an amazing fight. So you never know. Okay, let's get on to Crawford then. Yeah, I don't think we're overstating it to say that was one of the best performances in a mega fight ever. You know, this was generational stuff. This was a performance that stands alongside anything from the past. Undoubtedly, number one pound for pound, even despite Inoue. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put him above Inoue. Would you back him against a prime Manny Pacquiao? Yes. Against a prime Mayweather? Not Mayweather. I think Mayweather would suck the fun out of it and beat him on points. But I think Crawford could beat Pacquiao, personally. And I think he beat De La Hoya. What he did on Saturday night has to put him in, the, in that bracket. In the broadcast, they're saying he's made history. He's only he's the first man to do undisputed at two weights. And it's like, no, he ain't. That he's the first guy to win all four belts. But that's in this what we call, and which I also hate, this four belt era where the WBO was was regarded and whatever. But there's we've had undisputed champions at more than one weight before. We've had Henry Armstrong, we've had Evander Holyfield, undisputed at Cruiser, then at Heavy. Sugar Ray Robinson did it. Like he's up there with them. But to say that he's the first at two weights is is just wrong. And I hate it. It's like, you know, when people talk about the Premier League as if there was no football before it. It's like he's in there, but he's not the first to do that. One thing when I was watching, do you know who he reminds me of? Might be a strange comparison, but he's I, for me, he's very Marvin Hagler-ish. Right-handed southpaw like Marvin Hagler. Always kept out of the bright lights because he was a bit too good. But then he got his opportunity and he took it and it, and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy is so good. How Like, how did we not acknowledge how good this guy was until much later on in his career? That jab won him the fight. That southpaw, right-handed jab, without a doubt, was the what, number one thing that won him the fight. I would love to have Im- mentioned it. So in the post-fight interview, questions are led, didn't they? Like, you landed an amazing jab. Would you got anything to say about the jab? Well, actually, yeah, I've been working on the jab a little bit, you know, so I'd love to have arrived there and then we would have known but yeah he said that he usually likes a, a flicky jab this whole camp he's been working about stiffening the jab up and of course there's vast elements to to the jab where sometimes it's touch sometimes it's hard sometimes it's just fast sometimes you want to snap it back like like a straight cross like you say but it's all it's all to do with your feet and the flow and the fainting that goes with it jab is the range finder and the jab is the one shot that doesn't alter your stance with, really. So if you imagine you throw, if I'm orthodox and I throw a right hand, the right shoulder's coming in front of the left. I've had to maneuver the hips. You know, if I throw a hook or a bent arm shot, the hips are opening up. Whereas a jab, I can literally stay in the same stance and just throw it straight. You're not giving away any tells and you can stay in that strong defensive stance while you jab. The true art of like controlling a fight is done with with the feet and the flow and the the movement you know your hands 
don't necessarily need to be glued to your face. Like if the hand, if the jab's coming out from a high hand position, a lot of time it's easier to read. You fire a jab from a low hand position. It's actually traveling out of the peripheral vision of the opponent. It's at full speed by the time they really notice it. By the time it's halfway there, it's at full speed and then it's on the button. Mm. Let's talk about what he might do next then. So like you always say, when you become undisputed, it's like you completed boxing. So now he's completed boxing at light welterweight admittedly not without a win as big as this. Like he beat Ricky Burns, beat Julius Ndongo, beat people like that to win the belts, but he never had a win like this. So he won the belts. He's completed boxing, much like Usyk did when he beat Maris Bredis uh, and he beat Gassiev, you know, like like big titans at the weight. He's done that now. So he's completed boxing. Does he just stay at world's weight and dominate and beat everyone? Or does he go looking for trouble elsewhere to try and create that legacy and maybe win another one? So become a three-weight undisputed champion, go up to 54. Jamel Charlo, like we know, is boxing Canelo in September. He also, just to add another little bit of spice to it, he is also trained by Derek James. So he is Errol Spence's training partner. After he drops him for the second time in the seventh round, Crawford wheels off and he has a little exchange with Charlo at ringside. Like, so they're already, you know, this that fight would be so big. Speaking of big though, Charlo's a big boy. What would you do? If you were in his shoes or you were advising him, would you say, look, let's go up one and do it again or would you stay put what what do you think is the best thing for Terence Crawford to do now he's number one pound for pound in the world is he 40 and 0 so he's used to fighting regularly we've got some super hot talent coming through in this division and it's who we see fight the other week Ortiz what are the money fights if that's what he wants it might not be what are the legacy fights does he need them you know he's, he's just had the career defining fight I think and the career-defining performance, does he want to fight Canelo? Does he want to fight the winner of Charlo Canelo? You're right. You get to a point in this position where you're like, step down's going to be hard for him. He's just done that against Spence, and now what, he's going to fight Jaron Ennis, who's really good and young, but it's like nowhere near as big, won't get as much money for just a, a hard fight where he's not going to get any credit if he wins anyway. So now he's finally had this moment where he's getting the acknowledgement that he's craved for so long. He'll keep going, and he'll want something bigger now. He'll try and find something bigger, or will he be happy to stay here? And this was the beauty of this fight and it felt I got a message yesterday from Chris McKenna from the Daily Star and he said it feels like Boxing Day you know it's like that post-Christmas like fuck what do we do now that was it so then you look at the list and you're like Jaron Ennis good fight I'd love to see it I think he beats Ennis I'm, I'm big on Ennis but like I don't think he's ready for that yet you've got Stanny Onus who might you know he's, he's decent maybe but Crawford's going to beat him as well they're talking about Tim Zhu maybe who's up at light middleweight 154 another wrecking ball but I think Charlo is the only fight that ticks all the boxes and but it's going to be a hard one to make but I do that's why I wonder whether the rematch kind of makes sense in all of this it's a good one for him. It's a good one for Spence because it's like he gets a chance to go again. Maybe it's not as big as it was. Well, it's no, never going to be as big as it was on Saturday, but that's why I, I wonder whether we're just going to fall into that rematch. What would be a, a logical fight? And I can't really arrive at one. I think you're right. I think maybe the easiest fight is the rematch. Anyway, that's enough of that one. I reckon we should we get to the main to the main business of the day and that's Liam Davis against Jason Cunningham in Telford. Was you at that one, Telford? Did you get to Telford? It was on TNT Sports. We've talked about Liam Davis and Telford before. I think it was his third, third time headlining at that international centre. They're really building something special with him. In the week that Inoue won all the belts at Super Bantam, oh no, sorry, two of the belts at Super Bantam, he's a Super Bantam weight and he admits that he obviously he's not, he's miles off Inoue at the moment. Like, they're not going to make the Inoue fight. He's not going to get a fight of that magnitude. But I think he's British, Commonwealth, European champion. 
this was supposed to be the biggest test of his career. He's won it in a round, absolutely blown Cunningham away. He might fight Dennis McCann next. His career's moving real fast. He hasn't had many fights. A bit of a Cinderella man came out of nowhere, got an opportunity, took it, won the fight and just keeps winning. So it was a great night for him. Also on the undercard, Moses Atalma. Yes, elite club member Moses. How did he get on? He won on points. It was a six rounder. I think it was his... He said, I think he told us in the pod that it was going to be his last six rounder before he moves up to eights. He's going to be on the undercard of Joyce against Zhang on September 23rd. But yeah, it was a, it was a good run out for him. He's obviously still 18. I'm sure he would have wanted to knock, knock this bloke out, but he couldn't. Espindola came to tuck up and survive. I would have liked to have seen him go through the gears a little bit. He made, made a comment after the first round. I think he said, I don't want to gas out, gas out here. And when you got someone tucking up, he could have just thrown caution to the wind a bit, but wins on points. A bit like, you know, what you said about the Caroline Dubois fight when she won on points the other, the other week. And it's like, no one's going to remember that fight, but he needs him at this stage because he's never had fights like this. He's, you know, six rounders against big men. It's it's all part of the learning experience for him. And it's great for him to be chinning everyone, but maybe these are, f- are more useful. Would you agree? I think so. I think so. But he's got to learn about himself. Do you know what I mean? He should never worry about gassing out in a fight anyway, just because he let his hands go. Uh, over six rounds certainly not it's tough for prospects you've got to keep them motivated really you got to, and like as in every second matters you know you've got to work hard especially the heavyweights because they're not even adhering to a weight division where they've got to get out and get running because they've got to make a weight so keep the ambition up keep keep the drive up you are going to get guys in the heavyweight division who come to survive if you're a big puncher learn to break them down so no but good for him for getting getting the rounds in and they're keeping him busy Francis Warren who's taking care of him we've heard him on the pod he wants to keep him busy they're, they're still pushing for that record so good for him keeps the ball running he's only 18 he's only 18 and he hasn't he's been boxing a long time but hasn't had the opportunities to fight hundreds of times the rounds banked good stuff this weekend, the main fight is Jake Paul against Nate Diaz. I, I like Jake Paul. I'm an unashamed fan of Jake Paul. And the more mental that misfits and all of that gets, the more normal Jake Paul actually seems. Anyway, he's fighting Nate Diaz, the MMA icon in Texas, Dallas, Texas, where Errol Spencer's from, actually. But that's what we got. And then obviously the week after that is Joshua week, the return of Anthony Joshua against Dylan White. But we'll save that for next Monday. And obviously back Wednesday, George, but say someone was worried about missing episodes and that what can they do to make sure that they will always be kept abreast of our output hit the follow button in your podcast app and also you can reach us deck where can they reach us twitter instagram tiktok gg boxing club on all of those hit us up on that if you're listening on apple you can leave a review as well we love them you can also email us if you've got something a bit longer you want to say or see email address george email us at ggboxingclub at crowdnetwork.co.uk do not forget to check out our playlist the ring walk it's on spotify shout out spotify we haven't got it written down but you can actually i think we might be able to buy some merch there deck you can the merch if, gone no if you want to become waddy Camercho, you can go on twitter on the link tree click it you've got the spotify ring walk playlist you got the Camacho hats hoodies bottles mm, I think we're out of prints but there might be a couple left if you want to print just want to add if you want to listen ad free check out Amazon Music we are ad free on Amazon Music lovely um, and I'll see you again on Wednesday George for the big birthday episode probably put a little hat on get some cake out but we've got a special one haven't we credit goes to you first and foremost Dick, for the discovery of this gentleman actually he before you announce it, he messaged me on Twitter because I made a plea on this pod 
that I wanted this guy on the podcast and he messaged me on Twitter going anytime, anyplace, anywhere. So it was him who sort of booked himself. So actually, let's take this opportunity. Is there anyone out there uh, Terence Crawford, if you want to come on the pod, whenever you want, mate. Mike Tyson. You can be like this fearsome young fellow, Brandon Scott. Can't wait. I'll see you Wednesday. Bring the cake. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.